It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie We'll hear more about uh, the Climate Action Bill later in uh, the programme and indeed we'll hear presently uh, about energy efficiency with uh, a major announcement about it to be made for DKIT. But what role Leo Vradker is to have in government while he is uh, the subject of a criminal investigation will come into question today as uh, the doll resumes after the break for St. Patrick's Week. Today's sitting will give the opposition its first opportunity to question the government on the news that Gardaí will send a file to to the DPP on foot of investigations into how the Thonishta leaked a draft contract with GPs in the IMO to the rival GP group, the NAGP. This, as you know, happened when Mr Vratker was uh, the Taoiseach in April of 2019. The Thonishta, Leo Vratker, is on the line. A very good morning to you, Thonishta, and thank you indeed. for morning, Michael. Uh, you've been very clear about this, it has to be said. You do not believe you've broken the law and you've apologised for an error in judgement in deciding to take it on yourself have to give that contract to NAGP. And I don't want to question you about the history of all of this. It's been well rehearsed at this stage and it's now the subject of a guard investigation. But what I would like to ask you about is the situation you find yourself in now and the position that puts the government in as a result. This in itself could prove to be a significant distraction to the workings of government. But my question is this. Should charges be brought against you, will you be able to continue in your roles as Minister and as Taunister or do you believe it would be in the national interest for you to step down until the matter has been determined. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, there's been a lot said about this and a lot of it isn't accurate or true. You know, I gave a full account about all of this, the doll, um, both in November and January uh, and won a conference motion on it in the doll. Um, it was not a contract, uh, nor was it a draft contract. Um, wasn't a cabinet document, not a budget secret. So a lot of the things that have been said about this are inaccurate and continue to be uh, inaccurate. Um, a contract is a legal document that two or three parties sign and they're bound by. It was not a contract or a draft contract. But again... <laughs> This is part of the difficulty that I face is there's been so much misinformation about this. So um, all I know at this stage is that a complaint was made uh, to the Guardi back in November. Uh, the Guardi have to do their job and investigate uh, that complaint. Um, they uh, took statements from at least one government minister, Mr. Harris, in January, which is how I heard that there was an investigation underway. Um, my sisters contacted the Guardi at that point to say that I would be willing to give a statement or be interviewed or whatever they need and I've heard nothing since uh, and since then all I'm relying on 
uh, is what I see in the papers, leaks to the papers, uh, ironically. Um, and uh, most of them, and many of them, are not accurate. So, like, that is the situation at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. Um, what I'm not allowing it to do is distract me from my job. Uh, and I don't think anyone in government is being distracted from uh, their jobs in, uh, in that regard. Okay. Well, I only have one question in relation to this. Do you wish to address it, Tanisha? Um, uh, sure, sure. Well, I mean, I did ask it of you a moment ago. If charges are to be brought against you, do you believe it would be in the national interest for you to step aside until the matter was determined? Um, I don't contemplate that happening. And, you know... Um, well, hypothetically then, if charges, criminal charges were taken against any member of government, do you believe they should step aside for that period of time? No, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not contemplating that. And, you know, I, I, I've been trying to avoid creating new stories about, about this issue. Uh, so, um, you know, that's not something I'm considering. Okay. I, don't see, I don't believe it's going to happen. Okay, so you're not answering that question then this morning? I, what I'm saying is it's not, going to, it's not going to arise. That charges won't be taken against you? That's correct. Okay. Okay, well, we'll leave that uh, to the DPP. It seems as though the Guardian are going to send uh, a file to the DPP with a recommendation and it'll be in the DPP's gift as to whether that will or will not happen. Well, in fairness, I think what we should do, and, uh, you know, I think the vast majority of people would be of this view, is we should allow uh, the Guardian, the DPP, to do their job. Um, And that's what should happen. And And that's that's why I didn't ask you about the matter itself, uh, because it's subject of a criminal investigation. Uh, I asked you if charges are brought against you, uh, what would that mean uh, in terms of your role in government? And what would that mean in terms of the government's ability to carry out its work? Now, like I say, I, you know, I haven't been contacted by the Guardian about this matter at all, um, and that's where things stand. And I'm, you know, I, I can't contemplate anything beyond that. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll leave there. But I think this distraction will begin today and will continue for some time to come. At the same time, yeah, I, like it, it is going to distract people. Yep. It'll certainly distract the opposition and it'll distract um, people in the media too, and that's fine. Mm. It won't be distracting me from my job. I guarantee you that. Okay. Uh, nor is it distracting anyone else in government. We're, okay. we're very busy doing the people's business, and that's what we're paid to do. Okay. Well, after the sitting of the doll today it uh, could uh, very result uh, well result in front page news tomorrow uh, but uh, we'll move on from there uh, if you're not going to address that question this morning Tanisha uh, you're with us uh, uh, in your role as Minister for Enterprise uh, and you have a significant uh, announcement for DKIT Yeah, as you know, yesterday the government published our new uh, climate action bill and that puts into law our commitment and our target to reduce emissions by 51% by 2030. Um, And that's a a big ambition and it's a big uh, project. And in order to achieve that, we really need to do three things, you know, reduce emissions from the areas where um, emissions are their greatest. You know, that's transport, the way we get around uh, buildings, particularly our, our, our own houses and homes, uh, and also um, and also from agriculture. Um, so a huge part of that is uh, about becoming more energy efficient. Uh, so today, with Enterprise Ireland, we're going to designate uh, DKIT, uh, the, the, the Dundalk Institute of Technology, as um, a gateway, a technology centre for uh, a particular focus on energy efficiency and optimisation. So the initial funding for that is, is 338,000 uh, and we're going to make it a centre really where business and academia come together and work out how they can um, reduce energy use um, thus saving money uh, for business but also um, most significantly um, finding new ways to produce energy and shift from fossil fuel dependent um, enterprise to uh, using renewables, using hydrogen, using um, different ways of doing things. 
Uh, and is it that companies uh, will come to this unit in DKIT uh, and say, uh, well, we'd like you to research how we can do our business more efficiently, energy efficiently? Yeah, well, that's that's the idea. So it's the Centre for Renewable Energy at Dundalk IT, mm. um, Credit as it's called, and it's joining about um, a network of about 15 uh, specialised gateways that are involved um, in this. And it's, it's an opportunity really for uh, business and academia and experts to collaborate and find... Um, uh, find find ways to uh, change the way we use energy. Um, industry accounts for about 13% of all emissions, and a lot of that is down to uh, the fact that we're so dependent still on oil and gas uh, for uh, our power and to fuel our industry. And it's really about the move um, away from that, the move um, to uh, new sources of energy, but also um, being much more efficient in how we use existing our existing energy. Yeah, and is that the objective here that uh, this unit will advise on existing alternatives rather than uh, I- innovating ways of doing things differently? Um, well, I suppose it's going to be both, and you know that's the whole idea, really, of a collaboration involving industry and academia and experts is that they can look at the thing um, fresh and look at it in the round. Um, the obvious thing, of course, is, is moving away from using um, gas and coal and peat to power electricity. But there are other things, too, you know, um, changing the way we use energy and um, using uh, appliances and using systems within industry that are uh, that they use less energy full stop. So, you know, a small thing might be the move to LED lighting, which people will be familiar with. Another thing would be changes around refrigeration. We waste a huge amount of energy with all these uh, open fridges in our supermarkets and shops. Uh, and um, uh, it's going to be a big part of uh, reducing the amount of energy we use, making sure the energy we do use is from renewable sources and also potentially creating new employment and new jobs. You know, we spend billions every year uh, in Ireland importing fossil fuels from other parts of the world, often unstable parts of the world. Uh, we could turn that around and maybe in 10 or 20 years' time, we could be uh, exporting electricity uh, using our um, huge resources that we have, our, our waves, our ocean, um, uh, our water, our wind, and um, export that to other parts of the world, um, to continental Europe across the Celtic interconnector. And how many staff will this uh, gateway employ, uh, Minister? Yeah, good, um, good, 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 good question. <laughs> I tried tried to check mm. that out before um, before I okay. came. So um, and I, I don't have a definite figure, mm. but the, the the budget being provided for them is three hundred thirty-eight thousand over the um, two so, years, and that'll set yeah, up the gateway and uh, employ the staff necessary. Okay. Uh, uh, no, uh, Tonisha, you wanted to speak to us about uh, the coronavirus again today. Uh, what updates have you got for us? Um, well, um, it, it, it's a mixed picture, to be honest. Um, we uh, have one of the lowest incidences in the European Union at the moment. Um, we're third, second or third lowest um, incidence of the virus in the European Union. Um, and that's down to the enormous work that people have done over the past uh, couple of weeks and couple of months, um, staying apart, reducing our social contacts, um, wearing masks, washing our hands, all those things that the public health experts ask us to do, which um, which people have been doing. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, it's still at, at a very high level. And we are kind of plateauing around five, 600 cases a day uh, and it's starting to creep upwards again. Um, and the carry in the coal mine here is always the GP surgeries because, you know, before somebody... Um, gets the test result before they even get a test. They go to their GP and look for a test first. And we've seen in the last couple of days a big increase in people contacting their GPs looking for, for tests. Uh, and that is a real worry um, because, um, uh, you know, we want to be able to ease restrictions across April, uh, but that becomes increasingly difficult um, if we start seeing cases rising again. And that's why we're really appealing to people and 
I know how difficult it is and how fatigued everyone is uh, in dealing with the pandemic, but really appealing to people um, to uh, redouble their efforts, um, to reduce social contacts, to stay apart, to wear a mask, to um, uh, be outdoors um, more so than indoors if, uh, with, with members of the household, all of those things. And uh, the latest letter from Dr. Roland Lynn uh, to government uh, on behalf of NEFIT talks about those daily case, case counts uh, and how they've uh, plateaued and that this highlights the precariousness of uh, the current situation, particularly in the context of uh, the highly dominant and significantly more transmissible B117. He also talks about uh, the epidemiological situation remaining particularly fragile. Uh, I, I take it there's little prospect of little change from the 5th of April. Um, well, you know, the thing we focused on uh, for this month was um, uh, opening schools and childcare, allowing more nursing home visits um, and getting more vaccines into people's arms and um, all those things are happening. And on the 12th of April, obviously, we want secondary schools to go back fully. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to jeopardise that. Those uh, young people, those teenagers need to get back to school. Um the kind of things we will, of course, uh, look at, um, you know, is relaxing the 5K rule and uh, allowing some more outdoor activity. But, um, you know, there is a concern and a genuine, genuine concern that uh, any further easing of restrictions um, uh, could cause um, cases to rise again. We all want to avoid uh, there being a fourth wave, you know, particularly when we're so close to the point where we have people most at risk from this virus uh, vaccinated and we're up around 700,000 vaccines given at this stage. Um, you know, we may well get to uh, in around a million by the end of the month and another million vaccines expected to arrive in April. And, you know, the prospect is there to um, vaccinate uh, people most at risk uh, from the virus, certainly all the over 70s by the middle of May. And I don't think anyone's going to want to take a risk of uh, a fourth wave happening before we have the opportunity to do that and protect all those people. Uh, and if we're not looking at vaccine passports yet, uh, should we be talking about vaccine bonuses? Um, well, we are preparing for uh, vaccine certificates. So, you know, we do have the IT systems available now to uh, provide anyone who's had the two, do- two doses of the vaccine of evidence, you know, either in paper form or electronic form, that they have um, that they have been fully vaccinated, and that does create the potential down the line to do what you know places like Israel are doing and Denmark are planning to do, um, which is giving you, if you like, a green pass to say that I have been vaccinated and therefore um, I can do things that other people can't. Um, but we're just not at the point; we don't have enough people vaccinated yet uh, to um, to do that. Uh, but we are watching very closely what's happening in Israel, where they are doing this. Um, you know, they are reopening their economy in cases are still falling there. And Denmark is the first EU country to go down this route and they plan to do it from May. So um, if it works um, and uh, if it doesn't turn out to be a mistake in those countries, then it's something that we can follow. And we are preparing for that, absolutely. OK, interesting stuff. Thank you indeed for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure. That's uh, the Thonishta and Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Leo Vradker, who's uh, the leader of Finnegale. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 